Welcome, heathens and witches, to the Horn and Cauldron Podcast. Yeah, we're back at it again. Uh, I'm John Norgrove. This is Julie Norgrove. Uh, and we are here for some witchy news. Let's learn some stuff. Let's see what's happening. This is a deep dive episode. Yep. Which are my favorite kind of episodes. You said news and I was so confused. I was like, do we have witchy news? It's news to me. Because <laughs> uh, there's more than one piece of information and it's all novel. Uh, it, it is, yes. It it's is not really news. Multiple new. I guess it's, well, it's not really new. It's the plurality of news. It's newness. not new news. It's K-N-E-W-S. That's true. It's not. I, I, That's I was not trying true. to help out. That it's didn't not help true. Out. Yeah. Oof, this is uh, a I've strong gotten full, start. We're gotten doing full well. deranged. So anyway, before the chaos gets me, don't forget to like this video, comment below, share, subscribe, ring the bell, and do all that kind of stuff. Because today we are talking about chaos magic. Yep. So let's whatever. Let's get right into it, I guess. Let's whatever All right. this. So I'm uh, very excited about what you <laughs> I have I have like in a great many things, a glancing blow of knowledge <laughs> about this. Um, but I consider myself, uh, I consider what I do in the hyper umbrella that is chaos magic. Um, so we will, I, I'm interested to see yeah. where I am doing something that is a hundo pasundo, not chaos magic. <laughs> and where I am a hundred percent doing chaos magic. And I discovered a similar thing to somebody who's way more important than me. Um, <laughs> way more famous than me who like did work and put it together. And I'm just like, I don't know, this kind of makes sense. What? Uh, which is just like a thing that happens more often than I ever want to have to think about with any degree of certainty. So what is chaos? Magic? So first of all, we talk about chaos magic like a lot on choice, this podcast. Choice magic. Um, but we've never really gone into it. And whenever we talk about it, it's always like, ah, but that's chaos magic. And we'll talk more about that at a later date. Well, hello. Today is a <laughs> Today later date. Today is a later date. How are so, you doing? Welcome. Yeah. So um, chaos magic, first of all, just to set that basis there, mm -hmm. is a modern magical tradition that is rooted in the spiritualist era of the mid-19th and late 20th centuries. Yeah. It emphasizes... New magic. Yep. It emphasizes the idea that belief or intention is the most important part of any spell work. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's just raw dogging intention, the intention yeah, yeah, portion yeah. of magic. They're like, what is this, a ritual? I'm just gonna focus real hard. Well, <laughs> the interesting part about it, looking at this with like a modern lens, is that's kind of the place where quote unquote capital C chaos magic begins mm -hmm. right and ends uh the way that we look at chaos magic modernly with the advent of the internet and the modern like sort of enlightenment era that we're kind of in right now uh is far different i think than the way that chaos magic was initially than the people who like done. started doing and i say initially because it was kind of made in the 70s however but we have to understand the basis of chaos magic first. Sure. The 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 grandfather of chaos magic, sure, as it sure. were. Proto chaos magic. Yes, exactly. And that is a man named Austin Osman Spare. Fun fact: every time I wrote his 
name in these show notes, I had to grapple with the with the want to write his last name as Fear, and I don't know why. Austin Osman Fear? Because Sphere. Sphere. S-P-H. Oh, Austin Osman Sphere. Well, that's because Austin Osman Sphere sounds like a fucking supervillain <laughs> from an 80s right. comic book. So hard, dude. Yeah. Like, and I felt like calling him Austin felt weird because I don't know this guy. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, so my boy Austin, right? Calling him by his middle name. We're going to give him a, we're gonna give him a nickname. We're going to call him Aust. 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 We're only dropping yeah. the in. Or Austy. <laughs> then you're just dropping a single letter. No, Useless no. nickname. We're going to no. call him Austy. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, he was considered by many the grandfather of chaos magic. He was a gifted English artist and occultist known for his art filled grimoires. Mm. Uh, some of art his. Wars. Yeah, some of his some of his famous grimoires are Earth Inferno, the Book of Pleasure, the Focus of Life, the Zoetic Grimoire of Zos, uh, and you can actually find links. Are you sure to... this dude wasn't a comic book character? He made something called the Zoetic Grimoire of Zos, just... and that sounds so comic booky. Just wait, I would love to have a like a movie or like a book on his life. There might be a book, I don't know, but there's definitely not a movie, and I wish there was. Yeah. Um. So Directed there are links in the show notes or in the YouTube description, depending on like where you're where you're listening and or watching this um, to these grimoires. I was able to find them on Internet Archive. So enjoy. Um, nice, and uh, Spare was heavily influenced by Aleister Crowley, the movement of theosophy, which we've talked about at length in multiple episodes, as well as Omar Khayyam. Um, and Omar was a student of Avicenna. Hey, remember Avicenna? We talked about him in the color magic episode. That was episode 61, just the previous episode. It's all coming together like some sort of, some sort of spider web of comic book based shenanigans. Yes, yes, I enjoyed that fact a lot. That's amazing. Um, That's amazing. Love it. So after a, so after a tumultuous time. So that would mean that color magic is the great, 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 great grandfather of modern chaos magic. Yeah, you're not entirely wrong. Right? Because Omar is the student of Avicenna. Mm -hmm. So that means that Austin is, like, his shit would be the, like, grandchild of color magic. Yes. Right? Of the teacher of color magic, developer yes. of color magic, which would mean that modern chaos magic is like four down. Yes. Right? So and it's, also, it's the fifth uh, step down. Sympathetic medicine. Yeah. Sympathetic I mean, healing. I, what, this, what this is actually revealing is that like all of this shit is a hundo pasundo connect. Oh my gosh! Everything is it's so, so connected it's in so, so many connected, ways. Dude. Every it's time, it's almost as though <laughs> there's some sort of undercurrent of esoteria and magic uh, just underneath the surface, and a bunch of different people have found ways to access this, or describe like, these network. experiences. And as one person describes it, the next person hears that shit and is like, "Ah." But what about this? But also. Yeah, but yes. also. Yes. And, and we've and just it. been we've just been yes anding through magic. 
Yeah. For the yeah. better part of several uh, several millennia as a species. Yeah, the level of connection of things, especially as we have like more episodes of this and I have more things that we've like talked about, yeah. so more things that I've researched. <laughs> as um, we learn more. As I learn more. Uh, I am oftentimes shocked and like bemused at the level of connection that a lot of different like spiritual things have. Yeah. Yeah. Like there are very, very, very few things where you can just pull on the thread and that's the only thing. You're not unraveling. Like, you're unraveling the information about that yeah. thread, but it's not connected to any other threads. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, and I just... It happens all the time now. Yeah. Because we also well, talked a lot about it's both, it's both the connections to things and the times when you're just like, we're going to talk about this thing. So... On, on February 3rd, 1964, this dude was just... What if we do this? And then everything started from this very specific moment in time because yeah. it's completely made up just there and has no historical drama whatsoever. I uh, love the dichotomy of magic in that. Yeah, well, buckle up, babe, because buckle we're up, about ready to get some, uh, grab some popcorn because I am going to tell you a story. So... After tumultuous time in art school, um, which his parents, uh, Spare's parents, were like very hype on his art, always, always encouraging him. Uh, but he had a rough time in art school because they were like, you're young and also your art looks different because this was like the late 1800s, early 1900s. What are you, young and different? We don't and like And we that talked about here. this with the uh, color magic episode where there's a lot of difference in like the, the, like there's a distinct shift in the style of art in the late 1800s and going into the 1900s, going from like realist looking art to so realist looking art and expressionist looking art and, and, and all of the other successive modern art forms. Um, so... Spare had his first major exhibition in 1907, yep. and that's when he met Aleister Crowley. Crowley loved Spare's art, very hype on it. In fact, so much so that he thought that Spare's art was a divine message and immediately decided to become Spare's patron. Aleister Crowley should probably drink less. <laughs> and he invited Spare to or to join his new magical order called the Argentinium Astrum, uh, a, a branch of Thelema. Uh, we've talked about the Golden Dawn and Hermetic Order and stuff like that. It's all kind of they love they love together, magical clubs, but also dude. separate. They love yeah. magical clubs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This guy's art was so good that he immediately got inducted into a Shenan. Well, I'm very here for that. This is very uh, eyes wide shut. Of yeah. Alistair Crowley. So he continued to do art um, in a variety of, of ways and having a variety of different patrons um, during this time as well. And Crowley only paid him in expensive ritual robes. And while Spare never really joined uh, the Argentinum uh, Astrum, he did sort of leave slash got kicked out. So after a few years, he got tired of the very strict format of ceremonial magic that Crowley was a part of and generally actively promoted. Um, Crowley was upset that Spare wanted to leave. Um, so he told people that it was because Spare wanted to practice black magic. Mm. But that's Standard. not really the thing. Classic. He just wanted to do his 
yeah. own magic, he, he, free from the he, bounds he just, of ceremony. He just, he just didn't want to follow time. all of Alistair Crowley's silly rules. Yes. Yeah, Remember, we talked about how he I, like. I, mean, I understand completely. Wanted yeah. to how he thought that in order to achieve enlightenment, you had to have like, you had to be high and sleepy and have a bunch of people like sexually stimulating you until you were so tired that you just sort of like went into a trance. Yeah, well, I so, mean... So, you know. Yeah. Alistair Crowley was a weird dude. He's a weird dude. He was Absolutely. a weird dude. I don't yeah. remember what episode we talk about that in, but we definitely talk about yeah, that. Yeah, he's a weird dude. Um, a, so, Spare's that's Life... That's what a movie that we need, is a fucking Alistair Crowley movie? We need both. Yeah. Uh, we definitely need both. So, Spare's Life was filled with intrigue. So many things that I kind of can't really just get into it here because I think that we're probably going to have to start doing biographies of people um, because there are too many fascinating people. Yeah. So if you're interested in biographies of, of us picking up and doing deep dive on biographies of people in the magical sphere, let us know. Comment yeah. below. Yeah, we should totally do that. Hop on our what socials. What do you think about that? Yeah, hit us up. Let us Who? know. In in magical history of the uh, fathers and mothers of magic, uh, grandfathers and grandmothers of magic, who would you like to hear us talk specifically about? Because generally when we're talking about these people, we're talking about them as a retrospective historical standpoint and not like specifically doing well, like and a thing. And I'm collapsing a lot of their life into just the thing that's important for the episode. Yeah. So um, anyway, Spare's life was filled with intrigue. He had a failed marriage. There were rumored affairs with men and women. There were all kinds of art projects. And of course, his own magical religious philosophy known as Zos Kia Cultus. Okay. Uh, like the Sorrento. Yeah, like the Sorrento. I... <laughs> cannot with it it's every time i, I mean, see definitely it, I like and snicker Kia must mean something but like i like i have no clue dog they they do um yeah. it's sort of like the spirit and untethered and it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of stuff ah um so specifically it's not just that guy who's trying to kill uh superman no because uh he escaped the sh the shadow zone or whatever zod no 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 it's not at all zod's um, kia sorrento over here <laughs> No. I know about that place. No. Um, but Spare, believe, Spare had a few different sort of like core beliefs mm -hmm. um, as part of this Zoskia cultist thing, which actually was like its own cult for a little while and not just the name of his self-made religion, but also sometimes he used that as his magical name because magical names were like super hot back then. So hot. So hot. So Mugatu. So, <laughs> so Spare believed that the unconscious mind holds the magical power. So he advocated for conscious repression of desires to build up unconscious energy. So like if you really, really want some chocolate cake, rather than it. having the chocolate cake, you would not specifically not have the chocolate cake. You would have cakes, but not chocolate. You would have chocolate, but not chocolate cakes. You would do everything to not have that. And eventually your subconscious mind, so hyped up on wanting the chocolate cake, would eventually manifest for you a chocolate cake. Mm. Yeah. 
all right, all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot to be said about this when you look into Freudian and Jungian psychology. Um, yes. Both things that Spare were not fans of. Um, he he was, seems to not like rules. So. He, he was definitely not he a He did like that one dude's car, though. Yeah, he did. Uh, he also <laughs> believed in atavastic resurgence, <clears throat> which is a way of tapping into the memories and experiences experienced in past lives. Oh. But, like, kind of on an evolutionary level. Not just, like... Not just, like, in... past human lives, but being, like, snakes and shit? Yes. Ah, crabs yeah. all the way down. Yeah, Yes, totally. yeah. So yeah. he's, like... If, you know, it would be like uh, if he really wanted to, like, I don't know, silently walk around a house and he's like walking like a cat would. He'd be like, I was a puma in my past life. Kind that of energy. Kind of totally. Definitely yeah, sure, sure, sure. that. Yeah. Sure. But also people, but and not ad- just people. An atavastic resurgence was like a movement of trying to... Like, remember, past lives and shit, right? A little bit. It was more of a term for the um, for the thing they were doing, trying to tap ah, in to the memories of it. the past lives. Yeah. Uh, more more of a term and a, like, process than it was a mm-hmm. movement or a religious sort of belief. Um, hmm. He also was super hype on sigils. Um, specifically sigils used by condensing the words from a mantra or intention into a single design. And he called these monograms of thought. I mean, first of all, monogram of thought. Fucking great band Coolest name. way Best to think band of Best band name, monograms of thought. Yes, monograms dude. of thought. Hot damn, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, the, the. It's like funky the, acid punk or something, dog. I don't even so know. So, the easiest way to think about what these sigils would look like, since this is primarily an audio type of a thing, is if you haven't seen it, you should check out the way that J.R.R. Tolkien does his initials, because they're all sort of together. They're all one, like, rune one sigil one bind rune kind of a yeah thing, it's it's right? bi- it's bind rune logic yeah right yeah so, or if you've ever done like um a monogram it would be like a lot of monograms are done yeah. that way uh as well as a lot of cattle brands yes. bringing it around to the few people who know cattle brands <laughs> who the cro- the venn diagram of cattle brand people and this podcast very small Venn diagram, maybe only me. Um, <laughs> cattle brands are very There's gotta often... be at least one more. We've got, what, 11 listeners Yeah, now? there's gotta be, so there's yeah, gotta maybe be 12 listeners. What's up? Uh, yeah, but um, uh, a lot of cattle brands are like the initials of the family. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just but not stacked just necessarily like way. initials, right? Well, he's using all the letters. Yeah, yeah. Right? So if you were to go, if you were to, you know... If you were to create a sigil in his methodology, you would basically have a mantra. So, um, I gain abundance. Sure. Right? So then what you would do is you would uh, basically cross out all of the vowels, and then you would cross out all of the repeating letters. Mm -hmm. And then you would be left with whatever letters you're left with, and then he would just sort of like mishmash them into yeah. one symbol that just sort of looks like a bunch of letters squished together. Yeah, it can certainly look that way. You know what? This is what I'm going to say about that. Taking out the uh, the vowels, making it too easy on you. Do better symbols. <laughs> yeah. this is I I do this all the time just at, for 
as a, like a bored thing to do with my hands is to just like get a piece of scrap paper and then to just like stack letters up on top of it. Like, you know, do that sort of sigil style, like bindery yeah. styling design. Yeah. Well, everybody's um, a little different. This is so just the way like, that he decided to do it. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I love it, dude. I'm very here for that. Yeah. And also Monogram of Thought, best band ever. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely love that. So his last like sort of core belief was um, that ceremonial magic sucks. Uh, and he recommended that people break free of ceremonial magical systems whenever possible, because he felt that they were too restrictive and that they, that they basically took away from it. They made you take the magic from its like raw primal form and, sort of try to almost narrow it down, but in the narrowing, you lose it, mm -hmm. right? So like having a, essentially blinders on. And this is not to say that we believe this way. If you feel like ceremonial magic works for you, don't listen to this guy. Yeah, he's just some, he's just some asshole. <laughs> he's just some old dead dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who he lived wanted, like he, he, he called him. He called himself Zod's like Kia Sorrento. What is this guy now? Um... No, uh, you know what? That that being said, like I get it, man. Ceremony sucks sometimes, <clears throat> dude. Yeah, I'm very like like live and let live about all of this stuff. So I'm very like, yeah, dog. If you don't want to do ceremony, do chaos shit. And if you want to do the most, if you want to do possible, all sort of pomp and circumstance, I mean, like it's dope to get on like a whole outfit yeah. and like set up a bunch of stuff. And have, like, a whole thing written. Yeah. Very hype. I'm very here for it. Very fun. Um, but uh, sometimes. Too much work. I, I totally Sometimes agree. I'm not going to do yeah. that. Yeah. Honestly, most of the time <clears throat> I'm not going to do that. Yeah. 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 So, in the 1970s, a new player joined the game. Mm -hmm. And that was <laughs> player three entered the field. Yeah. And that was Peter J. Carroll. Um, we can basically consider this man to be the father of chaos magic. Um, and his life is, it, it's funny because his life is super interesting and, and like also very nuanced, but there's not as much information out there about him as a person. And I think that's just because he's still alive. So he is the first person that we have talked about creating magical systems who is still living at this moment in time. Oh, we should call this guy. Yeah, so... Um, so what's up? If you know Peter J. Carroll, give us I a call. I don't know, like, tweet at him yeah, give, to give, come give on us, the podcast Give us a call. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... <clears throat> it was the 1970s. The occult scene in London was thriving. Remember, we've got new Wicca. We've got all kinds of weird satanic panic stuff happening there. And uh, we were starting to see lots of fragmentation in the witchcraft community. It was no longer just ceremonial magic or like just this main branch of Wicca. People were branching off and creating all kinds of their own things. So Peter Carroll and a man named Ray Sherwin were both occultists and they started to feel disillusioned with the state of ritual magic in the scene. It was highly secretive, rigid in the individual sects, rules, and dogma, uh, as well as most of them kind of really had the main base from Aleister Crowley. Uh, so they decided to start a new magical order called the Illuminates of Thanateros. And to do this, they actually advertised so in a magazine called the New Equinox. I'm sorry. If I want to start a new magical order, 
I can advertise it in a magazine. Listen, dog, we got to go to the 70s because uh, I'm here. Let's start a new magical order. Like, what's this magazine? How much does it cost to advertise in a magazine? I, I don't know. I Damn, don't know. dog. Uh, That's amazing. <laughs> so they described the Illuminates of Thanateros as a spiritual successor to Austin Osman Spare's Zoski Occultist. Um, so, they t- so they basically took the, the Zos and they fused it with Crowley's Thelema again, (laughs) as well as Tantra. Now, keep in mind, Tantra is not just sex magic. Tantra is the idea of basically moving into a, um, like, meditative flow state in order to be able to get things. We just know about Tantra being, like, a sex thing because of Sting. Yeah, is that what we know about that? Yeah. Gross. Yeah, because in the 90s, he said that he practiced tantric sex, sex magic, and the whole world was basically forever changed by this musician. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate knowledge. Yeah, tantra is more than that. And we may talk about tantra, but that's a way further in the future episode. Um, <clears throat> I haven't even really started to digest what that would even look like. Oh, um, yeah. So, um, we should, though. We should. We, yeah. we totally should. But we've got a lot of things... Uh, a lot of things in the meantime. So uh, after creating the Illuminates of Thanateros, um, he published the two most defining books on chaos magic. Liber Null, which was published in 1978, and Psychonauts, which was published in 1982. Nice. These books you can still, there are links in the show notes and description to read them on Internet Archive or Sacred Texts. I don't remember exactly what I put in there, but it's free. Um, please support the internet archive. They help me do what I do. Yeah. Uh, and they, uh, you can actually still buy these books. Nice. We're buying uh, them. Yeah. You can like physically buy these books like on Amazon. Yeah. I want, I like, want more books still always. Yeah. In print. Yeah. Leave in fact, Null and these books were so popular that they actually, in I think 1985, started printing them together. Ah. as one one tome. Um, so these are really like the main defining books on chaos magic. I, full disclosure, have not read them, uh, but will read them for our next entry into chaos magic when we get there, because this one is the intro to chaos magic. Don't yeah. worry, y'all. There's so much more to talk about. Um, so in 1995... He retired as the lead of the... 1995. That shit was... Listen, I'm like, I get that I'm old or whatever. No, no, no. But, dog, some shit happening in 1995 involving chaos magic makes me very concerned about moving around <laughs> to go to some sort of chaos magic school. Like, I, it sounds like this... I need you It to sounds be... like the Illuminates of Thanatos still exist. What's up, guys? How you doing? Okay. I need you to not say anything so that I can say this whole sentence. Okay, also, ahead. the Illuminates of Thanateros do still exist. Of course they do. Um, okay. In 1995, um, Peter Carroll retired as the lead of the Illuminates of Thanateros after a controversy called the Ice Magic Wars. Yep. That 100% now you can react. makes sense. Of course. <laughs> yeah. What are the Ice Magic Wars? Okay, so we're going to have to talk about this in a pub chat because this was... I started to look into what the Ice Magic Wars were, and there was way more than I expected. Oh. (laughs) Yeah? But 
the TLDR of the Ice Magic Wars is there was another man who was uh, a founder of the Illuminates of Thanateros. So not Ray Sherwin, but like another dude. And he started coming up with this idea of ice magic, which was like really closely related to the ideas of white supremacy. And he oh. started having a bunch because remember these guys these guys are in Europe. Man, I did not get I did not get white power out of ice magic. And I, I now d- that I hear that, shame on you. Yeah. Dog. So there's more to it than that, but essentially there was a big blow up and this guy who was the proponent of like essentially supremacist ice magic was like, Well, I'm gonna leave with all my friends. And so he did. So and Peter J. Carroll left. No, no, no. Well, the guy who was the supremacist doing the supremacist stuff left. Ah. And also Peter J. Carroll was like, I'm done. Yeah. He's like, you guys, this. you guys ruined this. Um, yeah, yeah. So hey, so, uh, quick aside. Uh, fucking racism ruins everything, guys. It, it ruined does. chaos magic. It disillusioned the guy. It does. It does. Do it better. It ruins everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be racist. It's <laughs> today. More than has any right to be valuable as a statement, um, what with it being 2023 and we shouldn't have to say this out loud, don't be racist, guys. It's It doesn't matter. Whatever your racist opinion is, it's wrong and you're dumb. I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now, guys? Yeah. Holy hell. Yeah, so I'll have to do an update on the ice magic wars um, oh, we'll do, when I get we'll a do chance a, to digest whatever yeah. that. We'll we'll do is. we'll do a pub chat on the ice magic wars. Uh, don't worry. Yeah, uh, I also want to know what they are, uh, and I get to learn along with you guys and not have to read a book, <laughs> which I have like four books I'm reading right now. I don't have time for more books. This isn't even a book. This is like really obscure interviews with people from like a long time ago that sounds dope it's 1995 is not a long time ago my dude it's not but (laughs) i just i'm gonna i'm gonna hyper clarify that so i don't feel too old (laughs) like yes my back hurts but also not that old yeah so peter carroll (laughs) Uh, like we, like I said before, he's alive. Um, so he has an RPG game now. He runs a blog and has a correspondence course um, at the Arcanorium College where you can like basically write to him and study for a degree in magic. Um, the I Arcanorium I don't have college. time to learn that that exists. <clears throat> yeah. Because yeah, now yeah. I want to go get a degree in magic and... Hey, it's free. Yeah, well... Yeah, it's free. Dog. Uh, there are also stop links to that below. Uh, stop, so that if you're interested, you can check so that out. Stop being so loud with all this I know. fucking busyness. I know. Look at look at, look at at what happens. Um, so yeah. that looks super interesting. Also, um, he's, like a, he's like a huge physics guy. Like, he's very interested in physics. And um, reading his book blog and the information on his website about his views on chaos magic is a little insane for me as someone who's like not a mathy person. Is not, this the one where you asked me that mathy physics question? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that's who we were talking about. I mean, I, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. The details of what we were talking yeah, so about earlier. Not, so yeah, so why. he's interested in things like quantum physics and also making your own life 
by virtue of the occult. Mmm, this guy and I are friends already. Yeah, you you don't even know it yet. Oh, we're already friends. Oh, this guy just just made a friend and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> he just woke up in the middle of the night in England like, ah, I think I have a friend now. I don't know what this is. Yeah, yeah so um, that's Peter J. Carroll, the father of chaos magic. Nice. Now, um, we're going to move on to the core beliefs and concepts of official-ish chaos magic as sort of accepted in the strict chaos magic community. Today. Rules, rules, rules of chaos magic, capital K chaos magic. No, not, not a K. It's a C. <laughs> Uh, I know. <laughs> uh, no, I very specifically because chaos with a K magic does exist and is not this. Mm, I didn't know about that. Mm, yeah, no. yeah. That's more about pulling things out of the void. So. Ah. Now I want to know more about that I, too. Damn. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, you it's dashed a, my hopes verily and then built them right back up at me. When I told you that I fell down this huge rabbit hole of stuff when I was doing this, I was just like, wow. I had to take like a two day break in between reading all this stuff so I can just like existentially stare off into the distance while I wash the dishes yeah. so that I can like. Yeah, void staring. Best, best way to stare, <laughs> void stare. So keep keep that one in the back of your head. Yeah. So to kick this off for the core beliefs and concepts, I have a quote from Peter Carroll. So the unity which appears to the mind to exert the twin functions of will and perception is called Kia by magicians. Sometimes it is called the spirit or soul or life force instead. Kia is capable of occult power because it is a fragment of the great life force of the universe. The thing responsible for the origin and continu continued action of events is called chaos by magicians. Chaos is the force which has caused life to evolve itself out of dust and is currently most concentratedly manifest in the human life force or Kia, where it is the source of consciousness. To the extent that Kia can become one with chaos, it can extend its will and perception into the universe to accomplish magic. Yeah, man. I'm very here for this guy. <laughs> I'm very here for this guy right now, dude. Yeah. Damn. I'm going to have to read all those. I'm going to have to read this guy's books. <laughs> that, that, that list of books is getting sorted. It's so long. It's so long. We just Dog. need to... I need to have Win more time. Lotto, I so need to have more can... time to bloody read. Dude. Yeah, I wish that we could. As just, of like, currently, as I'm doing like three time? things at a time. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that that helps kind of put in perspective the mindset of chaos magic. But I'm gonna get into like the deets. So uh, n equals one is the key. So n equals one. That means that you're basically running experiments on a group uh, or on a on a test audience of one, and you are that one. So when you say n equals one, that means you doing a thing. That means the sample yeah, size is one. The sample size is one. Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> it's a little late. I've had a little too much wine. No such Chaos thing. Chaos magic is in my brain. No such so thing. So not only so the idea behind n equals one being the key is not only must you, dear listener, do the magic, but you must do your own magic, free of anyone else's beliefs, rules, or restrictions results are the most important piece here, sure. which is fun. Cause we're always telling you, write it down. Hey, yeah. guess what? 
this guy yeah. is also telling you to write it down. Write it down. <laughs> yeah. And do your own thing, dog. Just because somebody's like, these are the rules, doesn't mean you should be following those rules. Unless yeah. they're reasonable rules, obviously. Like fire yeah. safety. So That's right. And food safety. And food Drinking safety. game times two. Yeah. So some rules, good rules. But those rules, bad rules. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in chaos magic, belief is a tool to achieve your goal. So not just intention, but to will help you achieve your goal, but also dogmatic beliefs um, are used as a tool, not as, um, say, a fallback or a crutch would be. There are no rules and, in fact, no assumption that you need to follow anyone anyone's rules. Uh, so you do you. A regular practice is introspection and deconditioning yourself from socially accepted magical structures. Oh my God, I'm so in on this guy. Dude, all of these things. I say all of these things. You say all these things. These are all of the things that I say all the time. If you are hearing this for the first time, dear listener, you need to listen to some more episodes. Oh my God. I'm so Or maybe come to our house so you can listen to him talk so I can get a break. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of opinions on stuff. Now, some some forms of chaos magic switch between, or uh, recommend that you switch between different magical structures in an unpredictable manner instead of eschewing them altogether or creating your own. So um, one week you may practice Thelema, and in a month you may practice Wicca, and the next day you may practice Hellenism. That's not you may as in you're given permission but like for instance if you so choose yeah if you so choose and also like you could roll a die to go one through six and then decide what you're going to practice and then roll another die for the time frame that you're going to practice it and then when you switch you leave behind the previous dogmatic beliefs yeah but that is not required for chaos it's like you can do your own thing but some forms of chaos magic are like, instead of doing my own thing, I'm going to do like a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this. I'm going to do, but I'm, but I'm not going to do it like together. I'm going to do it like this for a little bit. And then when I'm like, I don't know about this, I'm going to like go over here and do this for like a little bit. Right. It's like making big pots of stuff. I'm going to eat yeah. this for a while. Uh, you know what? I'm out of this. I'm going to eat this for a while. This is probably the most controversial part of Chaos Magic as well. This is the bouncing around thing? Is the bouncing around thing. Oh, it and seems that's the most reasonable part. Some people don't, well, some people say you have to bounce around. You sure. can't have a core belief. So, like, if you were doing it, sure. you can't always worship Odin. Oh. You can only worship Odin when um, it's Odin when days. it's when it's Norse time. Sure, sure, right? For sure, yeah. Um, so some people say that you have to do that because otherwise you start to become... Uh, attached to these belief structures Mm -hmm. and you can't really let them go. And then they inform you and essentially hold you back. It's that thing about Austin spare, not liking ritual magic, but putting that even further, uh, like one step further. Sure. Sure. Right. Now, some people don't believe that, that idea behind chaos magic at all. Mm hmm. So some people are eclectic in the way that they do chaos magic as we are, sure. where we pick and choose the things that make sense to us and then mold them. And some people are, um, some people are also like uh, atheist chaos magicians. Sure. Where do... they're not using a dogmatic belief at all. Yeah. They're just using like, like pure intention, yes. raw, unadulterated, make, made up structure. Yes. Totally. Totally. Yes. Yeah. In addition to that, 
free you from the clampings of like other systems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In addition to that, this is kind of the place where you see the most number of edgelords coming out of the woodwork here. Sure. Well, I mean, you got to think at this point, right, just like with the information we have right now on what chaos magic is, right? The the ability to sort of internalize and translate that, right? Like, like your the system by which you like perform chaos magic or like accept chaos magic is definitely one of those things where like if you're uh you got a ping pong around person. Yeah. Then like somebody who's like, I'm always worshiping Odin. But I'm doing chaos magic, bro, because I'm doing it my own way. Like, they are, like, clearly still caught in the trappings and, like, not, like, awakened to the freedom of ping-ponging, right? And a ping-ponger to somebody who's, like, I'm doing my own thing entirely, right? Um, A ping-ponger seems, like, untethered, and so they're not able to dogmatically structure their, their system, in the same, like tether their system in as strong a way as the way that you're tethering your system or whatever. So yeah. like you can kind of see both sides of the well, argument uh, with regard to like how you it like in my opinion it has more to do with how you like specifically define and translate and exemplify the chaos part of chaos magic, right? Like in quotes, chaos part. Yeah. You know, are you like chaos bouncing around, but you're still relying on structures? Yeah. Right. Like bouncing off, like bouncing off of platforms in a, in a platformer or is chaos like absolute free form. And so instead of using the structure of like, like platformer structure, you're in like an open world RPG and you're just side questing left, right and center, walking straight into the big boss cave and you're yeah. only been playing the game for 10 minutes. You know, like that yeah. kind of thing. Well, ironically, this this idea where, you know, you have somebody that says you have to bounce between and all this other stuff is actually breaking sort of the... The, the N equals the, one the, of the N chaos equals magic? one of you yeah. do you. You do the yeah. thing that specifically works for you. 100% because no. now you're having somebody but, who's trying to get you to do something really that works for you. We love like structure and shit. So people are obviously going to be like, my chaos is different chaos than your chaos. And I'm going to have a dumb human emotion about it. And you we've, know? Actually, we've actually had people talk to us about this, saying oh. that we have to. Uh, essentially, come up with our whole yeah own yeah. beliefs. Yeah, I've d- I've definitely had this yeah. very specific argument like at a bar with people in the space who are ju- who are like you have to do, like do your own thing, but you have to do your own thing in this very specific way, which yeah. is like just deeply crazy. Well, right? and like it's do also... your own thing, bro, but like do it in a specific way is. A whole not yeah. do your own well, thing. and it's also difficult. Uh, um, well, for me, it's becoming less difficult. But like in the beginning, I should say it was difficult to when I have, uh, you know, when I have people ask me like, "Oh, what do you recommend?" or whatever. Like, I'm gonna recommend the thing that I think is the most middle road, or the thing that's the most tailored to what that person is trying to get to. But the thing that I recommend isn't always going to be the thing that yeah. they want because of the structure of things that work for them. For instance, we have a friend who only works with two with two very specific like pantheons because they're kind of just like the ones that that resonate that they like vibe with the most which is like totally gangster and and i also work well i work within any pantheon i feel 
I feel meets the needs and jives with me, right? So for me, that's less of a thing. But for some people, that's the way that they harness their power because they feel that resonance. They have that N equals one. So Well, but like, are they doing them? Well, then you do you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's like, like the, the, like, regardless of how you want to do a thing, Remember the N equals the mantra of N equals one, which is like, let people do their own thing. And I, I think that this is something that we've obviously like, I did not know that chaos magic specifically had a thing to do with N equals one. <laughs> and the fact that I have for as long as we've been doing this podcast, been out loud to all of you guys saying this, and I've been saying this forever, like my entire life. Well, like, and that's why like, whenever we talk about that, I do, say this is chaos magic. Just do your thing. Right. And like, if your thing is different than my thing, we can still like hang out and do stuff together. It's, it's kind of weird to me. The idea that like, we have to congregate in like-minded circles of, of practice when like, we can all practice different shit together, dog. Right. Like a truly like free thing. I am, I am very shook that this is a hundred percent the stuff that i've been talking about so oh yeah i'm very hyped on this this was this was fun for me yeah all right so next (laughs) up is the concept of gnosis so it both in chaos magic and in popular modern magical circles gnosis is the ability to shift your consciousness into the flow state so that you can achieve better results so in when we have like a spell that we're talking about or we're talking about reaching that flow state we're saying clear your mind essentially that's your first step to getting into gnosis that's that that conscious conscious shift into that meditative state and you after practicing for a while, you like start to know what that feels like. Like I know when I've hit that state. Mm-hmm. I, I and I can oftentimes just immediately turn that on. Sure. And turn that off as well. Um, it's kind of like a I don't know, like a drop. Yeah, it's, in, dr- it's it, dropping yeah. into a thing. Yeah. Totally. Now, ideally, a chaos magician can shift into a, into gnosis uh, at will to perform magic on the fly. Mm-hmm. That is uh, one of the things that they recommend is to continue to practice shifting into a gnosis state so that you can basically, like a wizard in D&D, just be walking around and be like, bam, fireball, because yeah. you can just automatically shift into that gnosis state. Sure, yeah. Yeah. A thing that I also have practiced since I was, since before I even knew what the term gnosis meant. Totally, yeah. Uh, so for me, reading this, I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is micro meditations, the thing that I'm talking yeah. about. You're getting stressed out about a situation at work? Micro meditation. Just, just yeah, little itty bitty guy, you know? Yeah. So next up is sigils. Uh, I know we already talked about sigils with when we were talking about so the monograms of thought, uh, but we're going to talk about them again because sizzle, s- sizzles, sigils sizzles are a huge modernly accepted part of chaos magic, um, and creating your own sigil or magical symbol and then you imbue it with power. Boom! Now you got a sigil. Hey, guess what? We're totally going to do an episode on sigils once we figure out what that is going to be like because sigils are so visual. Um, this might be a, this might be a YouTube exclusive, like a YouTube yeah. only episode of the podcast or something to that extent where we can like, 
like uh top-down camera and just like physically go over showing you like different sigils yeah. and different techniques and stuff and make it like a little bit more teachy uh, but if you have any ideas about what you would want to know about sigils, uh, let us know, uh, like comment below or, or hit us up on social and, um, and we'll put that into the thing as we like kind of work on building this like sigil magic kind of an episode. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Now sigils don't have to be imbued, but generally in chaos magic, you also imbue or charge the sigil with power. And this can be done in a variety of different ways through gnosis or meditation, through placing it in a spot where you see it often. So it just sort of gets into, into the back of your head and your subconscious hiding it in plain sight or amongst other items. Yep. There are a lot of people that I have heard of that are um, like painters, specifically um or they get a picture and what they will do is they will put a sigil um underneath the painting yeah um and then paint over it or they will put a sigil written on the back of a painting and they're seeing it every time and every time they look at that painting it charges it with power mm -hmm. sort of like on a recurring basis um you could also post it on social media there's a lot of overlap between um, between chaos magic and technomancy, yeah. which well, we, and we talk about that in the technomancy episode. We do, which is episode thirty-six. Yeah. Uh, so check that one out for sure. Um, so posting it on social media, more people seeing it gives it more power. Yeah. Um, I put meditation twice. That's how important it is. Meditating on um, it two times. Infusing it with power. So like putting your hand over it and being like, wah. Yeah. With. Just fire a beam at it. Yeah, just fire a beam from your hands. Um, charging it on your altar. And probably the most popular with modern chaos magicians today is through orgasm. Yeah, well, I mean, dog, like, he said that he got a little Crowley in that. And Crowley was <laughs> very sexual dude. Yeah. So, and I mean, also, like... This shit based in the 70s. Real sexual time. Magic got a lot of sex all up in it. Sure does. But it doesn't have to if that's not your jam. Yeah. Because we know some people that that's not their jam. Yep. Um, so there are. that's why there's plenty of other ways. Yeah. Why uh, N equals one, dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to start saying that to people and it, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get hit. <laughs> that's what yeah. that is. Yeah, you are. Hey, bro, relax. N equals one. Just like, bam. So, it's so like all in equals your one. <laughs> 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 all right. <clears throat> Next up is servitors. So um, servitors are often tied to a sigil or a mantra or a specific item. Um, although not all chaos magicians do that. Sometimes the servitor is more of a spiritual thing. Are you so, talking about like a... Um... Um, oh man, whatever the fancy magical word for imaginary friend is. Uh, yes, uh, but one that one that you've like quite literally made up yourself to to do a thing. So a servitor is essentially a magical program that is activated by an action or a word or one that works in the background. And some people create servitors that are more along the lines of a familiar that is a being or a thought form that performs actions that you command it to. And in this case, it's really common to give servitors offerings or even altar space if you prefer. Um, we talk about 
how Servitor is also in the Technomancy um, episode in the terms of, in the form of like computer magic. But if you're thinking, I, I think that the best way to think of it is like a familiar. So in in these modern times, uh, we think of a familiar as like my pet that I super love um, that like seems to know what I'm thinking. But that's not actually what a familiar is. Um, a familiar is a creature, whether physical or on the spiritual plane, that is helping you to carry out your magical desires. So that is why in ye old days, they were so crazy about familiars for witches. So they thought, they literally thought that a witch would talk to a black cat and be like, Ayo, I need you to go and finish this spell for me or like get this spell ingredient for me or something like that. And then the cat would be like, yes, master. And then go and do that. Now, those of you that have cats know that this is absolutely absurd. A cat is definitely not going to do something unless it decided it first. So, <laughs> so that's so what, what uh, familiar is. Dogs are superior familiars um, as a dog person. Uh, you know, they do follow, they do follow instructions better. That's so true. that's really what servitors are. So there's a lot of different ways to do a servitor. Yeah. They don't have to be anthropomorphized. It can be more like a program or like, a think of it like a machine. Uh, but it seems to be very common to anthropomorphize them and use a servitor in that manner, which is why some people create an altar space to give it offerings, essentially to keep it powered or to give it a reward for for completing something. But you don't have to do that. Again, N equals one, and you can do whatever you want. Rock and roll. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, you know, I super like the idea of servitors, and that's certainly one of the, like, I need to read a book on bits of chaos magic. Uh, but I have seen, like the like, the most experience I have with it as a function of, like, like seeing what other people have done with it, right? Because I've never done anything servitorially. Um, but uh, is people making computer programs that just like run in the background that just like <clears throat> do a thing, right? Like some sort of simple, like clocked repeating algorithm, you know? Uh, and using that to charge like a. Like a, a sigil, you know, like uh, have a sigil in a JPEG and then write a computer program that opens up that JPEG every five minutes. And it's just like open for 10 seconds and then closes the JPEG. Like it's just a little thing. But whenever you're at your computer, okay. it's just going to pop up on the screen for a second and remind you that it's a thing. You know, yeah. it's the it's the it's the moving backgrounds. If you remember um, uh, screensavers, if you're old enough to remember those, uh, it's the <laughs> it's the moving screensavers of like magical computer okay. programming. Let me like uh, maybe blow your mind a little bit here, but basically, spell jars are servitors. Of course they are. Yeah, because it's a sense. thing that you imbue to do a thing. It's an acoustic servitor. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Acoustic servitors. Yeah. Spell we just jars recently up uh, updated one of our spell jars rather than like breaking it down. We just continue to add upon it. And essentially that is in its most basic form, a servitor. No, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I mean, not even in its most basic form. I mean, just like straight line dog. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, did you know spell jars, servitors, basically the uh, same thing. Acoustic servitors. Again, not make always. Sound, make it sound fancy. But, um, especially if More you're resonant. doing that thing. So, um, essentially, that's, that's <laughs> chaos magic. Made out of, made out of sweet mahogany. Yeah, so essentially that's chaos magic in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Now, there is another piece to this that I want to talk about. And it's funny because we continue to come back to the MCU. We continue to come back to the well, Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is incredibly popular, has had uh, several very good movies and several decisions were made. Um, <laughs> and uh, at the same time, it's a great, sort of universal explanation point, right? Uh, it's an easy jumping off point to explain a thing that's very culturally relevant. Uh, and like, it it fills the void of us trying to use a comic book specifically as a reference. <laughs> and like, maybe you haven't read the Blue Beetle comic books, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Because like, like, even you and I have read very different actual comic books. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but we've definitely seen all the Marvel movies. Not all not all of them. Have we not seen one of them? We have not. To this date, we have not seen the new Ant-Man and the new Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, and that's true. We have Beetle. not. We have not well, seen Well, Blue that. Beetle's DC, so that's fine. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. Well, we haven't seen those two from the yes. Marvel Universe. Yeah. So, um... I forgot about those movies. I think that the MCU adds an, a very interesting nuance to the discussion of chaos magic. Sure. Um, and to talk about that, we have to talk about the Scarlet Witch uh, or Wanda Maximoff. Uh, now, in the comics, she gets her magic from a powerful being and chaos god called Kshithan. So we're going to actually be focusing on her movie and TV version of chaos magic um, because while they are slightly different um, going back and forth between the differences is just kind of not really worth it here. <laughs> Especially yeah. when most people are going to be thinking about the TV show and the movies. Yes. So um, in so Wanda is considered the most powerful being in the MCU and she uses chaos magic. Mm -hmm. Now she is sort of a mutant, but, but also no, not, no, technically no mutants um, in the MCU right now. So yeah. Sort so, of you know, it, it, take that for what it is. Wanda was born in the, in the Marvel cinematic universe, having the ability to use chaos magic. Yeah. That is where we're starting this piece from. Sure. Right. Completely. Yeah. So Wanda's style of care of chaos magic is characterized by the ability to warp time and reality into the user's liking. Yes. Yeah. Now this is done by altering the orderliness of reality into chaos using her intent. Okay. So in WandaVision, the show, she enslaves the entire town of Westview through her grief. In an orderly world, Westview goes on about its small time in life and she grieves the loss of Vision, eventually healing and moving on. Instead, her intent forces Chaos to rewrite the orderly timeline into a chaotic one that changes with her mood. That is, changing into a timeline that never existed because Vision always dies. 
Sure. That is one of the pieces of chaos magic is it's taking and creating a reality that never exists, that would have never existed in the other timelines, which actually kind of ties into the Loki show. But that's that's not really chaos magic. Sure, something sure. Else. Sure, sure. Now, Wanda longs for a life that could have been a happy marriage, two beautiful kids, a house in the suburbs. But since none of these things happened not in any of the timelines, or even could happen, she's pulling apart the orderly strings of the timelines to create her own reality with her chaos magic. Sure. We see in the show that her new life is a stable one. And chaos magic thrives on the instability of the thing, right? So, but the chaos magic has to be fed. It has to be fed with chaos. So we can't stay in the 1950s vibe. So we have to continue to move through progressive sitcom eras to keep her intent charging and to keep the chaos magic strong. So her intent stays stable, but the chaos magic needs chaos to continue. So we have to go from the 50s to the 60s to the 70s to the 80s. Mm -hmm. Okay. It isn't until we reach the modern family era, which is like, I don't know, 2000s, um, that yeah. her relationships start to become unstable. So now that era stays longer because we're already feeding the chaos magic with the instability in the relationships. So the setting of the world doesn't need to change. Sure. And as we move into the movie, now obviously the show ends however it ends, right? And that actually doesn't have that much to do with the concept of the utilization of chaos magic. But in the movie, Multiverse of Madness, we the chaos of her magic is more subtle as well because it sort of seems like we get big chaos and then the bass drops and then it seems like there's not a lot of chaos magic. But the thing is, is the usage of her chaos magic is more subtle because we're seeing her mental state become increasingly unstable in the movie. So the chaos magic is being fed by her unstable mental state once everybody figures out that she's enslaved Westview and starts to take it down and the events of in Multiverse of Madness happen. Mm -hmm. So that is how chaos operates in the Marvel, chaos magic operates in the Marvel universe. And we are supposed to get more about this with an Angela Harkness show and stuff. Uh, but I think that this is a really nice sort of bow to put on a modern interpretation of chaos magic. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So what, I mean, I guess the way that I would look at that, right, uh, is if, like, would you consider, okay, put it this way, would you consider the town her servitor? Yes. Because, so what she did was she used her, well, this actually fits with the idea that chaos magic is a, entirely attached to the subconscious and not the conscious because like she didn't say, I want this house to be over here and have like a little driveway or whatever right she just like wanted the grief fixed yes right and so her chaos like her connection to chaos magic would have unraveled the reality of that town right the the ordered ordered reality in quotes of the town and structured it into a place where she could have what she wants. So if the town is the servitor, then the outcome of the town's magic is specifically her having, like, a husband and two kids and living in the burbs and, like, everything's great. There's no 
school drama every episode you know like 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 every day is like an episode of a sitcom where it's like oh the dog got into the garden bed what are we gonna do yeah. you know like that kind of that sort of like sitcommy energy right yeah. of course she's gonna target sitcom energy as a side effect of that being the thing that she was raised on so the servitor is using like the servitor doesn't structurally know what like how to achieve what she wants in a way that, you know, in, in like this infinitely absolute way. So it's going to have to, it has to use her language for a lack of better words. Yeah. Right. So it uses her language for this. Right. And it, as the town destabilizes, because she started it, she like kicked off an initial spell with a big burst. Yeah. Right. But isn't really feeding the spell because she's getting what she's wanting and, like, she's doing the, like, day-to-day, -day, like, saying hi to people and, like, those, like, tiny actions which are feeding it. But, like, the feedback loop is that, like, like the battery is draining faster than she's putting juice in it. Yes. Because she's trying to hold so much back. And that's why and we also, have to move from the being, 50s to the 60s being, and the 70s. It's being yes. probulated from the outside, uh -huh. right? With, you know, uh, of the dome or bubble or whatever With they call it. With people trying to bring the chaos magic back into the order. Uh, side note. Trying uh, to rethink Doctor it. Strange uses order magic. And you order, mean chaos magic? No, Doctor Strange uses primarily order magic. I, I think that he switches between it as things goes on. But order magic is characterized by the idea to... Um, take the timeline and construct co construct an outcome based on something that exists in the timeline. Mm -hmm. So for instance, Dr. Strange could go into the WandaVision Westview place and be like, no, everything is back the way it was. Sure. But he can't make all their skin blue because that never existed. Sure. Yeah, I understand. I understand. So they're what essentially you're directly opposing styles. Yeah, which of obviously magic. you see that come out in the multiverse of madness. Yes. Where within he has to embrace a bit of the chaos. Yes. In order to defeat her by by creating um uh by uh whatever it's called porting into the undead version of him. Yes. Or whatever that is. And because which, which that is, was which a goes, version of him goes, that lived, he can essentially port into that because right, it yeah. was already well, he, existing. He still has connection because it does exist. Yes. But he has to break the rules of order in order to do it because you're not yes. supposed to port into a corpse for obvious yes. reasons. The ghouls that they never address fully will come for your soul yes. or fucking yeah. whatever yeah. that was about. All right, all right, all right, man. I'm pretty here for this. I like, yeah. I like the way that Marvel is like the MCU Marvel is doing um, the sort of like fractal hyper colored like magic of um doctor strange and uh the way that they're doing wandavision which to be fair um wanda well, i just said wandavision uh wanda is in my opinion a way cooler character in the mcu than she was in the comics in the comics she was just like magic girl yeah yeah. Right. I actually, when we first watched WandaVision, I did not really like it that much. And it wasn't until researching for this episode that I gained a new perspective and like a lot of respect. 
for the for WandaVision. I really I really liked WandaVision, man. And I don't know that they all the things that I just said. I don't know that they did that on purpose or if I'm just interpreting well, that story in that way, right? Yeah, story um, story follows story. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah, everything's the same thing. So the connection is still logically there. Right, whether they intentionally sussed that out or not is entirely negligible. Yeah. Right. Um, no, I think they did a good job. And and Multiverse of Madness is just—it's like a perfect movie, dude. It's yeah. so good. It's pretty right. Great. Yeah. Uh, I've never really thought of Doctor Strange as doing ordered magic, but I see why. When you compare it to the chaos of WandaVision, of Wanda's chaos magic in WandaVision, I should say, then, like, reasonably, the thing that Doctor Strange is doing is almost hyper-ordered. In fact, so ordered was his solution to the first uh, Doctor Strange movie that he simply just Ouroboros time yeah. in order to defeat a fucking god. The yeah, whole, yeah. Uh, the consciousness that runs an entire dimension of chaos. Yeah, the more so, you think about it, the more so sense it, it does, makes. It does make sense that he uses ordered magic. But I would still argue that he orders magic through chaotic manipulation. Not, yeah. not, not because he was taught in, like, Kamertaj or whatever, to do it that way, right? But just because he's, like, an absolute dick um, and, and, like, almost has, a, a, like, a, a, like, an, like, a insane disregard for following the rules in... <clears throat> In a, in a way that, in the first movie, they sort of set it up as just like, he's so proud of himself that he's just going to do whatever he wants or whatever. And then you, when you watch Multiverse of Madness, you're like, oh, this guy just like fucking, he talks a big talk about following the rules, but he does not give a shit yeah. about the rules, dog. He is <clears throat> loose, a loose cannon on the rules, you yeah. know? Yeah. So that's, very, that's a very fascinating way to talk about those two characters. Right? I'm very into it. I really... Man, I'm super in love with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah. It's a good so Doctor good. Strange. It's, yeah. it's so good. And I, <clears throat> I loved those comics from, like, back in the 70s and shit. Which, psh, I mean... It's all kind of the same time. You see what's happening there, right? Like, <laughs> well, there's time, also time is uh, time, dog, and those came out. Yeah, there's those are also like very like hyper color comics. An episode that I realized that we also need to do for the future is talking about comic book creators and magicians, but not like pull a rabbit out of the hat magicians, but like comic book creators who also are interested in and practice occult sciences. Yeah. Alan Moore, big name. He's more of a ceremonial magic guy. Um, Grant Morrison is actually a huge proponent of chaos magic. Wrote a book. Did not know that. I'm a huge comic book fan. Have been my whole life. Yeah. And I was just like, well. Yeah. Well, maybe. Add maybe, more stuff to my list. Maybe maybe if we get enough people telling us that this is what they want, maybe we just make a whole new show on the YouTube channel that's basically oh, just no. like. That's basically just. Um, <sighs> Uh, uh, the 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 uh, fathers and mothers of modern magic, and yeah. it's just an ex. It's just a. It's just like a biographical show, uh, exploring different people who like we have information about. Everybody from Alan Moore down to Aleister Crowley. 
yeah you know left rise and left wise and right wise into like uh people who specifically created their own magical systems yeah well there's uh, a ton of people that we could that we could talk right. about Absolutely. well we could go pretty far back historically i mean yeah you know crowley being like a like a gleaming bright spot of change uh only in the 1800s notwithstanding um the early like 1900s this, yeah early yeah early 1900s yeah um, like you can definitely still get like information about people. I mean, hell, we could do a whole episode just on bloody um Lincoln's wife and oh and yeah. fucking oh my gosh no uh, there are and, and, so and doing those many things you know people. what I'm saying like we there are so so much. so 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 <laughs> many people um that I have come across in my research that I'm like I could yeah. just do a whole thing on this Mary person. Todd. Mary yes. Todd Lincoln? Mary Todd yeah, Mary Lincoln. Todd Lincoln. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So, um, that's chaos magic. Yeah, I'm very into it. I'm, I'm, well, I'm obviously very into it. Apparently yeah. me and chaos so, magic have been friends for a while um, and we didn't know about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. So I, I'm going to say in brief, how would you say that you use chaos magic? Uh, absolutely in everything, everywhere, all the time, in equals infinity, motherfucker. I don't know what you're talking about. Um... <laughs> So, like, I've always defined the thing that I practice as being chaos magic, but uh, to be perfectly honest, that it's like 75% cop-out, 25% science, right? <laughs> and, and, and by that, what I mean is that I call it chaos magic because, and I did not know this literally until right now, so... <laughs> Just, just like, accept that I was aware chaos magic was a thing. I knew some of the rules. I did not know that chaos magic was as in equals one as it is. Um, but I basically have always been pretty rejecty of structure, mostly because it seems like a bunch of fucking drama and I'm not going to do that. So I have always just been like, I'm going to do shit my way. Does that mean that I'm going to use tarot cards sometimes? Yes. Does it mean that I'm going to do runes sometimes? Yes. Does it mean that sometimes I'm just going to, like, stare at some branches moving in a tree and be like, got it, bro. Uh, also, yes. <laughs> right? I learned that from a video game. Uh, if you know that game, what's up? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's the best lesson I ever took from a video game, <laughs> let me tell you, is finding runes in trees. Uh, but, um... So I've always sort of like kind of done my own thing. And when you're like, oh, it's just chaos magic, that kind of gives people the like, ah, oh, this guy just does his own thing, right? Yeah. It's chaotic, right? I'm primarily just using like the raw definition of like, am I doing magic? And am I also like a chaotic goblin person? Yes. Yes to both of those things. Therefore, what I'm doing is chaos magic. Uh, that is structurally the only reason why I ever called it chaos magic. Like, I didn't read a book or something on it. In fact, most of the information that I've ever read has been about the, like, big S, like, capital S structured magic, right? This is how you do runes, and you gotta do, the, you gotta do these, and you got all these rules. I mean, I still refuse to do reverse cards in tarot. I just, I, I, it, I don't like it. I'm not into it. I don't care. Yeah, whatever. It's just, I don't, like, if, 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 anybody wants to do reverse cards i'm so here for you like go ahead it seems cool i don't it's too much work i don't want to i don't vibe with the very concept of it so i just don't do it i also don't have like a big to do when i do a lot of stuff i'm very like 
kind of floopy loo about it. I sort of just raw dog intention whenever I do like magic stuff. It's just like, well, I'm just going to believe it and do it. I'm very N equals one in my belief structures already. Um, one day we will go into um, like the system of magical structure and belief where that I specifically reside within, right? We may have to do some like N equals one, what is our practice exploration mm, videos yeah. I think would be a fun thing to do I think to kind of like be. let all of you see what we do not as like uh this is what I do you should do it too don't don't do what I do I'm probably mad but um <laughs> <laughs> it's probably more than probably that's the worst part but uh no it, it's like it's just as an example of the way that you can interpret things and I'm also very like constantly changing with the way that I do things and interpret things, I was, like, boldly anti-tarot. Anti-tarot is melodramatic. I was boldly not interested in doing tarot, so barely with any boldness. Not interested in doing tarot. I was like, I like runes. They're fine. And I have one set. Job done. Um, and so, and for a long time, that's what I did. And then uh, you were like, look at these tarot cards that I have. Look at all this pretty art. Look at all these things that were an option. And then Kickstarter was like, hey, listen, what if you were fucking poor? Yeah. <laughs> so, and come to find out, Kickstarter was right. What if I just spent money on tarot cards? I literally just received a tarot deck from a Kickstarter from like two years ago, like earlier this week. Um, and I, did, I didn't even remember ordering it. We opened it up and I was like, what is this? Yeah. Where did this come from? What, you know, and you were like, oh, it's probably a Kickstarter. And I was just like, I mean, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> Dog, I had like zero memory of buying this. It's a beautiful deck. Like, I'm glad I have it. But uh, I have no memory of making that decision, <laughs> which is concerning. I know. But uh, whatever. Hashtag capitalism. But... Um, <laughs> Like, I've always sort of done the chaos thing purely because, like, I'm very anti-structure and I very much, I'm very N equals one on this stuff and I very much have, like, my own belief structure that, like, is informed by and can, and can communicate with other people's structures just because I love talking about this stuff, but also is totally my own. And at no point in time have I probably ever voiced... 100% of structure out loud at all ever to any single person um, or group of people. Just not for any particular reason, but just because, like, you do whatever you do, bro. Yeah. I'm very, like, you do you about the about all of, like, magical practice. I'm very, very, like, if you want to only worship, like, Thor... And you got hammers all over the house and you got, you know, all sort of all sort of Norse stuff. And that's all you're doing like rock and roll, bro. I'm very here for it. Let's talk about metallurgy and like lightning and shit. Right. I'm totally here for this stuff. Uh, but also, if you are like, uh, you know, Zen Buddhist or or uh, like new wave Christian or uh, like Sikh 
or or Confucius or anything like that. Like I, I want to know about all that stuff. And I was raised in uh in um a very like read everything sort of a household, right? Uh like my dad was very like read the teachings of Gautama Siddhartha, like read Buddhism and study Buddhism, study Confucianism and Taoism and, and study, uh, Christianity and, and Islamism and, and, uh, Judaism, like study all the monotheistic religions and like, study, like, stu like study all of these things and then form your opinion based on those things. Right. He was never a like, like, you need to do this. Like I go to church on Sunday. So you got to go to church on Sunday kind of a person, right? That, like, that's not his vibe, bro. And so, um, I've always had the opportunity to like explore things. And like, I was raised Catholic insofar as like, that's the thing that we did. Um, and like, I still enjoy church, even though I would never consider myself Catholic today by any stretch of the imagination, but like I still enjoy church and the Bible's still a good read that teaches you some reasonable lessons that shouldn't need to be explained to humans. Like be good people. Jesus explained this to you. <laughs> you shouldn't have had to, but like, you know, so like I'm, I'm very like, I'm like, Kind of, I think of myself as like sort of infinitely open with regard to those things, right? And so, because of that, I've always considered what I do, insofar as I knew the word chaos magic existed, some form of chaos, chaos magic, chaos practice, chaos belief, simply because it's it's like, like taking it all in. You know, it's the black hole of 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 like esoteria where you just like absorb all things and then just like emit a little bit of Hawking's radiation in the form of like saying some insane shit <laughs> that kind of vaguely makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. So like that's sort of my relationship with chaos magic is that it's sort of intimately part of the structure by which I practice full stop, not just magic, but like magic belief life in general, right? Um, I'm very, like, the way about it, very, like, uh, like, kung fu, right, about it, where it's, like, like, it's not yours until you've done it a thousand times, make it your own thing, even if it's a little bit off, um, and, like, absorb, learn, study, practice, and, like, accept change, because, and this happens, some, man, sometimes it feels like once a week, uh, but probably like once a month, at least I like read a thing or listen to a podcast or watch a thing on, you know, like watch a YouTube video and somebody says something and I'm just like, ka-chow, put it on, you know, add another Jenga block on the, on the tower. Like here's some new knowledge to like inform the basal structure of my like work. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and, and having now just learned that that is, like, very chaos magic, <clears throat> clearly that's the thing that I've done been doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What about you? Where's your chaos magic lie? So, <clears throat> much like you, I basically have always 
practiced chaos magic, but without ever really knowing or thinking about that it was chaos magic. Like as far back as I can remember, I've been interested in magic and magical systems and doing spells and things like that. But there was not really a place uh, like there, you know, I, <laughs> when, when I was a kid, I went to the library a lot and, um, absorbed every single book I could in the occult section of the library because I was looking for something. I was looking for a direction. I was looking for a guide. I was looking for more information. I wanted to know more and more and more so that I could form my own belief structure out of it. I didn't grow up religious. Um, you know, we were sort of like capitalist Christian, I guess you could say, you know, my family, we observed Christmas and we observed Easter, but we didn't go to church about it. And we didn't like pray or any of that kind of stuff. Like we, yeah. we were not that kind of family at all. So we grew up like fairly like, like pretty agnostic. So, um, you know, I didn't really have any of that stuff to try to like undo or unlearn or cope with, um, you know, understanding like, what I feel is right and what somebody else tells me is right. Other than, you know, in that kind of like in my home sort of a sense. So I've kind of always been doing that. So I remember like finding books in the like early nineties about like Wicca and it was like so hard to find this stuff. But when I finally did, I would look at it and it was like really tough stuff to do. It was like, you need to have some obscure ingredient and you need to like, Dog. You need so to like rules. be naked to do this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you have to have like a certain color altar cloth and all this stuff. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with that. If that's the thing that works for you, mm -hmm. but that's, I just remember reading that and going, there's no way I can, I can do this. Yeah. Like yeah. that's just not feasible for me, especially in a time where you didn't have like, you know, like a, a, like, like a giant things. conglomerate to come and like deliver a thing to your face. Yeah, totally. You totally. know, um, well, and, <laughs> and a lot of the structures of that, like, like 90s Wicca stuff was very like, oh, do you want to do this spell? Well, you need a piece of alder wood. Or you need a piece of, yeah. like, maple or, like, your wand needs to be made out of, like, one of these five woods. And, like, as a poor sometimes yeah, you don't have access yeah, to yeah. shit that well, like technically you could go to the store and get, but like, I don't got, or you need I don't to got have the dollars like, for that. I got the You need quarters. to have some sort of like infused oil. You need to have like prosperity yeah. oil or whatever. Oh, dude, and I'm like, herbs. what is that? Yeah. Pre, yeah. pre the internet getting, getting, uh, Fancy herbs was like yeah. just the so, safe but, way. But it wasn't. It. But it wasn't like just that, right? Of those of that kind of stuff that like didn't really vibe with me. It was also the like the way that you had to say things because like it's it feels really cool to like say something like do a you know say ritual stuff. Yeah, do a monologue or a soliloquy kind of kind a thing. Kind of just like not me. That's not my vibe. That's not where my like gnosis kicks in you know so like it, it's a thing that never really resonated with me and i throughout my explorations into magic it never did resonate with me it never has but the thing that has resonated with me is the portrayal of wizards and magicians in popular culture 
That is probably the way that I am closest to doing magic is where is in what I now know as chaos magic, where you just work to shift your state into the gnosis state and then you do the magic and whatever yeah. makes sense. Sometimes that's me saying a really long monologue or whatever. And sometimes that's me just being like, Wah! like literally sometimes I'll make that sound in my head while I hold my hands around something and imagine that the energy is passing into that thing, you know, and and sometimes that's not it at all. Sometimes I like to spend copious amounts of time assembling items of correspondences for a particular spell. So I, I didn't always know that I had been doing chaos magic, but once, because I always thought of myself as eclectic, I, I, when the whole like which type of which are you stuff started getting really popular on social media, I actually was kind of I was kind of upset about it. Not upset that people were doing it. I don't care about that. But I was kind of upset because all of those things were me. But yeah. yet none of those things were me at yeah, the same cause, time. Because you could be like, I'm a, ta- I'm a tarot witch. But you're like, but I also do kitchen magic. Are you like, I could, I'm a kitchen witch. You're like, but I also do bloody forest magic and stuff. And you're like, I'm a forest witch. You're like, but then I also do like, like spell jars and like all kind of stuff like this. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. You know, I mean, we've talked about this before in several podcast episodes about how like labels and stuff are like it's good and it's fine and like if you consider yourself a thing then that's like the thing that you are like that's gangster right but like you don't have to have a label for that in a greater like a larger than just magic conversation i think that as uh as a group of people we are rapidly approaching a time where we are trying to unlabel ourselves because we've lived recently, like in the last, you know, several decades through times of hyper labeling. And we're now starting to sort of unlabel ourselves. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that that for some people, that is like an intrinsically difficult task. Right. It's just like we've talked about how like some practices, you're just like, oh, well, what about these clothes practices or whatever? And it's like, well, I mean, that like that practice TM might be closed, but the like knowledge retained within it is just knowledge and can't be like taken away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, And especially in a time where in America, at least we are having places that have decided that some information should not be taught to people. Um, Looking at you book ban in States. Um, Like, now is uh, more than ever a time where it's clear that like freedom of knowledge is most important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also just like you, I, um, I, I have never really expressed all of the facets of my own personal belief system out loud. And some of that is definitely, um, in conditioning. And some of that is because I haven't really necessarily thought 
about it to say it, it out loud. I never really penned it down. But like some of that is because in the in the early days for me as like a young witch, I had very limited access to things that were out there. So I basically had the stuff at the library or the stuff that I like saved my pennies up for. And we went to the bookstore. I like bought it a little covertly because I was still in the closet. And I just I never felt like any of those things matched. And I they just they felt intrinsically wrong to me. Again, not that any of these belief systems are wrong, but they felt wrong to me. It wasn't... In their singularity. Yeah, it was like trying to fit a... It was like trying to fit the wrong side, the wrong shape peg into a hole. It just... It, yeah, square peg in a round hole sort of situation. Yeah, star doesn't go into triangle. Yeah. Um, so, like, for me, it was not saying that stuff out loud because... The thing that felt right to me, the thing that resonated with me, the way that my belief system and structure worked was so different than anything else out there until I came across the concept of two things. One is being an eclectic witch, um, but also being chaos magic. Those two things, I was like, oh, okay, oh my gosh, I'm not the only person out here who is doing this thing thing that I'm doing mm -hmm. because for a long, long time I remained closeted because I felt like the way that I did magic would be perceived as wrong by people because it didn't fit neatly into any of these other categories. Sure. Totally. Well, and if you're trying to like, if you're going to the specifically like, like, uh, like, let's say kitchen, witch, you know, page or whatever blog or whatever, then like, obviously everybody there is in the space, the conversational space of like kitchen witchery, uh, you know, which like you can interact with, but like, you're, it's not your only thing. Yeah. Right. And that's sort of the, that's sort of the, like, I guess like the toughest part of doing of discovering that what you're doing is chaos magic, I guess is probably the best way to put that. Yeah. Is that is that like is that like until you're aware of the fact that there's like a bunch of people doing it, you're a hundred percent just like you know the 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 uh, black sheep. Yeah. For a lack of better words, not realizing that like there's a bunch of black sheep. It's just that like this particular flock that you wandered into, all brown. Yeah. All white. Right. All speckled. Yeah you know, sort of a thing because of the, like, human nature to congregate in, you know... Like-minded groups. Like-minded totally. groups. Totally. totally right? Yeah. yeah, so I use chaos magic all the time all because the time. I am essentially using my intuition to tell me what to do. Yeah. Oops, all um, chaos. And doing things again that I know are giving me results. So I would say that most of the things that I do are chaos magic, much like you. Yeah. Um, now, Switching gears here. Different uh, Normally, when we do these episodes, we give like a couple of spells to do with this stuff. Uh, but I felt like intrinsically doing the spells, giving you spells for this episode is wrong because it's all about finding out for yourself what works the best. So, um, so instead of giving you spells, I would love to hear from you what spells you are being like inspired to do as a result of this episode. 
Hmm, I like that. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, and you'll have a bunch of opportunities to learn new stuff because we have a bold list of sources. Oh, absolutely. Yes, we do. So a whole bunch and, of sources. Uh, and let us know where uh like what chaos you do and uh do you practice chaos magic or are you doing like very specific magic and um like like chaos magic is totally new to you or whatever yeah like totally foreign right so we want to definitely hear about that stuff totally yeah yeah we'd love to hear what's going on with every one of you yeah, so with that, that is Chaos Magic, what we do in Chaos Magic, a little bit of MCU Chaos Magic, and um, uh, so yeah, let us know what's going on with that, so yeah, comment below with uh, your stuff, uh, like this on video, YouTube. that's on YouTube, yeah. or you can like leave a review on the podcast networks, uh, or just hit us up on social media, all the links for all that stuff are going to be like everywhere yeah so you'll be able to find those don't worry about that and um please subscribe that helps us yeah to do what we do uh because we very much love doing this yeah. and your support not only means a lot to us from a warm and fuzzy place but also helps us know that we're doing something that other people are finding value in yeah yeah so uh in that with that regard uh we would like to thank our patrons so you can always help us out on patreon also and uh that's where you'll get book shadows pages and all that stuff over there but we'd like to shout out our patrons uh alan miranda helena alexa somewhere and brianna and panda uh you guys are awesome thank you very much and uh, you keep us doing um, what we're doing better each time. That's right. Uh, so, and we love uh, chit-chatting with y'all and uh, and hanging out. So, so uh, join us over there. Uh, that also has like a Discord channel where we just kind of like chat about a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, if you want to chat with us about that stuff, you can always uh, uh, join us over on Patreon, uh, Patreon, and and do that. But uh, yeah. Uh, either way, I have been John Norgrove. This has been Julie Norgrove. This has been The Horn. And Cauldron Podcast. Podcast. And we will catch you guys next time. Stay magical, folks. Yeah. And don't forget, breathe in self-confidence and breathe out self-doubt. Hey, guess what? That's chaos magic, too. It is. Mm -hmm.